Hello and welcome back to Happy Hour with Victabulous, hosted this week once more by her husband, Victor. Uh, tonight we are going to cover 1985 horror comedy sci-fi film, Return of the Living Dead, uh, 1985. So, uh, I know this one kind of comes out of the blue. Uh, last week I didn't really give you a heads up as to what I plan on doing, and uh, truth be told, that's kind of on me for not really planning this out a little better. But uh, this one kind of holds a special place in my heart. Um, like any uh, adolescent male grown up in the uh, early aughts, you know, the 2000s, I had a huge thing about zombies. You know, just one of those geeks who, you know, read the zombies, uh, zombie survival guide and kind of took it more than just a joke. So I was one of those people who had a, a bug out bag, which really was just a bunch of like uh, Chef Boyardee cans and, you know, uh, an old machete I found, like, in the dumpster out back of uh, the place I used to work at. And, you know, I thought, hey, yeah, I'd probably survive, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, come on, let's face it, I think everyone would have been either over uh, alert and would have taken care of the problem should an outbreak have happened, or, you know, I would have been killed on the first wave. But, uh, yeah. I guess we're not all the, the stars of the movie that we think we're in, right? But I digress. Uh, we're doing, like I said, arguably my favorite zombie movie in existence at this moment. I mean, maybe maybe second only to uh, Fido, which is another amazing zombie film, but we'll get into that later. Uh, once more, this is Return of the Living Dead, uh, 1985. It's when... Uh, Synopsis here is when two bumbling employees at a medical supply warehouse accidentally release a deadly gas into the air, the vapor uh, causes the dead to rise again as zombies. So, you know, that's that's kind of the plot in a nutshell, but um, this movie has such, like, a comic book feel to it that, like, uh, it <laughs> I can't really compare it to any other zombie movie that you've seen. Um, like I said, it's, it's a horror comedy so there's you know over exaggerated characters you know there's goofy bits but uh, like i said this movie holds a very close place in my heart uh that being said this movie is fueled uh by my own variation of a washington apple um i didn't really have too much uh supplies laying around so um i had to improvise some stuff but it's uh manzanita sol which is like a an apple soda um, and I had some uh, Jack Daniels honey whiskey, which I mixed in there with a little bit of simple syrups and like a splash of lemon juice just to really help balance everything out. And not, you know, not really my cup of tea, but then again, whiskey never really has been, you know, up there on my top liquors. Uh, maybe I'm just a basic bitch, but, you know, vodka has always been my go-to. But I can't really complain. You know, it's doing the trick. I'm, uh, I'm nice and lubricated and ready to bring uh, this movie to you which uh, I need to point out directly that the movie was in fact directed by Dan O'Bannon. Um, you might not recognize the name right away, but uh, as a sci-fi nerd, uh, this guy's like been a writer on just about some of the biggest hits, um, at least in my books. Like He wrote for uh, the movie Alien and its sequel, Aliens. And if that doesn't really give you an idea of like what to expect here, well, maybe you're in the right there because uh, this movie's nothing like Alien or Aliens, uh, aside from maybe like that comic book, uh, 
pop culture kind of feel since the characters like i said they're hyper exaggerated and just colorful and everything you really ask for with a uh, a schlocky um 80s zombie movie but let's not waste any more time and let's just jump right into it cue music Uh, the movie begins in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so it's kind of funny. This movie does little like timestamps um, as though this like event has been previously documented. So, you know, it does the whole like Thursday afternoon at approximately 2 p.m., you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, again, it, this movie takes place at the beginning of Louisville, Kentucky uh, with um, the new employee working at Unita, which is a medical supply company. The slogan is, you need it, we got it. You need a medical supplies. So, you know, super, super highbrow, clever puns that, you know, not only uh, do the best here. Uh, the company itself provides universities with corpses so that students can learn and for experiments. There's also dead animal corpses for vets to do the same. Uh, the movie takes place July 3rd, 1984, um, specifically, again, uh, 1730, which is 530 Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, in the building itself, Frank, played by James Karen, will stay an hour more to teach Freddie, Tom Matthews, uh, the new employee, the tricks of the trade, uh, as it's important that uh, good or corpses have good teeth and skeletons usually come from India. So, I know that kind of sounds like a non sequitur here, but in the movie, they, um, Frank here kind of goes into details about how it, it's like really bizarre that like medical students need these cadavers to have like ideal teeth and be in like good conditions. And again, he kind of brings up the fact that a lot of these corpses come from India, which is like bizarre. He even kind of comments like, do they just like breed people there to be killed like and sold off? Like, but um, I digress. Their uh, boss, Burt Wilson, played by Clue Gallagher, uh, leaves for the day. Um, it's uh, it's the day before Independence Day, which you know, uh, as previously mentioned, it's July third, approximately five thirty uh, in the evening. Um, but uh, while um, Frank is going around teaching Freddy the ropes. He shows him that there's a human corpse in the freezer, as well as he shows him like the prosthetics, uh, glass eyes, and even half of a dog. Which, uh, you know, it's it's literally like a bisected dog, so you can see its lung and heart and skeleton, all that stuff. It's I I think in the movie they're they're trying to say that it is a real dog, but this is clearly like a plaster you know not real dog but i digress um frank tells freddy how the army forgot some caskets with the living dead inside uh, apparently there was a real incident which inspired george romero's night of the living dead uh, something about a chemical substance uh, toxitrin 4-5 which returned dead bodies to life in their morgue uh, when the army solved the problem, they didn't know what to do with the remaining corpses and sent them to Yanita by mistake. Soon, they forgot to claim the living corpses from the medical supply company, Unita, and the Daro company 
the one which invented and lost control of the substance threatened uh, George Romero with a lawsuit if he told the truth to the public. Darrow should have gotten the living corpses, but they only wanted to hide it from the public eye. So, uh, again, kind of just a not quite tongue-in-cheek, so it's pretty obvious here when they say that, like, George Romero's famous, like, I guess everyone's very first uh, zombie film, Night of the Living Dead, is a uh, is George Romero's way of saying, like, this actually happened, but, you know, the apparently the Darrow company, like, made up a fabrication saying that, no, it's just a fake movie, like, this guy is just a, a you know, schlocky horror director and you shouldn't take this as fact but you know this is all uh just fiction uh freddy gets impressed and frightened and almost panicky um so you know clearly frank's doing his job and he's, he's letting freddy know that like this job isn't really for the faint of heart but freddy's you know this young um impressionable kid well maybe not young like he seems like a, a teenager at this point Again, uh, Freddy seems a little bit spooked, but uh, Linda, who is Frank's wife, calls to tell him about dinner. Uh, Frank is going to go home soon, but like, I don't know if, if it's just part of him like playing the, the veteran who's trying to you know get under Freddy's skin, but he first offers to show Freddy the corpses and uh, in fact takes him down to the basement where there is the... Uh, barrel of toxitrin which contains the um one of the corpses that he's talking about uh and this corpse again it, it's all kind of wrinkly and gross looking but uh frank cleans the glass and like shows it to uh freddy who they kind of peer at it and freddy's you know more frightened than before but frank you know again kind of showing the veteran side of him kind of brags that like this container it's military made so there's nothing to worry about and you know gives it a good hearty slap which happens to break the seal and a green gas spills out knocking out frank and ernie um and that's that's kind of where the introduction begins with uh you know this movie as a fun added effect for the uh, gas leaking out, immediately, like, all the, the butterflies, like, the half-dogs and the hook corpses come to life. And, uh, yeah, again, roll introduction credits, you know, Return of the Living Dead. And so roll that sweet synth uh, music as the uh, title credits begin playing. Uh, again, going through the... Uh, the facility itself showing that the gas is leaking and spreading once more uh, returning the you know cadavers that are stored in the building back to life so go figure that's where it all begins uh, meanwhile in California at 4 p.m. Uh, an army officer played by Jonathan Terry arrives home late his wife complains that he's you know he's more uh, worried about his work than anything else in his life and he he's expecting like world war three to break out and it's clear that his job is basically to be on high alert in case there are any warning signs that the living dead in fact do appear again uh although it may never do so um and you know his wife just complains that like his radio equipment interferes with the oven 
Uh, so cut back to um, Louisville with, uh, with this, again, the most colorful lineup of characters you can see. Uh, introducing Mark Venturi, who plays Suicide, which huge inspiration on my life, you know. I may not have a nose piercing, but I did have a mohawk, and I did want to say I was uh, inspired to be a punk more so from this guy than anything else in my life. But uh, I shamefully digress. Uh, these guys are all friends of uh, Freddy, and basically they're just waiting for Freddy to get off work. But uh, they get kind of bored of just waiting, and you know, lo and behold, there happens to be a cemetery nearby. So, you know, what do a bunch of young punks in the '80s do? Why not just go hang out in the cemetery like any other good old-fashioned '80s kids? Oh, I wish I grew up in the '80s. Anyways, uh, back in Unita, that's when Frank and Freddy wake up. Uh, the wrinkled corpse inside the container is gone. Uh, Frank and Freddy like. Again, they, they go upstairs to see that, like, all the, again, the butterflies are, like, even though they're pinned on, like, uh, display boards, they're, like, flapping their wings. Um, oh, my God. I forgot about this part. But uh, Frank and Freddy have to kill um, one of the half-dogs, which it's, like, uh, it's, like, whining and crying. And it's, like, really sad, but, like, they... <laughs> just start beating this thing to death and um well back to death or at least they try to and that's when they uh they hear like the the sounds of the uh the cold storage of where they have the hanging corpse uh the door begin to rattle and that's when they realize that the hook corpse is now like banging on the door that's when frank calls uh bert you know, hey, uh, hey, boss. Um, we got it. We got a little bit of a problem here. All right, so cut back to the uh, the fun punk kids. They're at the cemetery now, and uh, red-haired trash played by uh, Linnea Quigley. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's what's you know one of these movies without a little TNA? But uh, she starts getting turned on when thinking about the most horrible way to die. Um, for some reason, but uh, she gets all hot and bothered, starts dancing naked, uh, wishing for old men to eat her alive, which you know sounds like a, a Freudian kind of thing. But hey, it's the '80s, and they gotta, I don't know, make these guys worthy of being killed. You know, so you don't get too attached. You're like, you start kind of reading that some of these people, you know, deserve to die in one of the worst ways possible of being eaten alive. Uh. Tina, who is Freddy's girlfriend, um, is, I guess, jealous of uh, Trash's body, so she tries to diminish it and, you know, ignores it as best she can, but uh, everyone else seems to be into it. Back at Unita, uh, Bert, uh, again, Frank and Freddy's boss, is getting worried about getting sued by the Darrow co uh, company and investigated by the government, so they start trying to figure out, like, what to do, like, um... And that's when they kind of have the idea, like, hey, you know, wait a minute, what about that, you know, zombie movie? Don't can't you kill him by destroying the brain? And you know, they kind of come up with the idea, like, okay, you know, let's let's do that. We can destroy the body and, you know, sweep it all under the rug, and everything's gonna go, you know, perfectly fine. Which, go figure, it doesn't, because the second they open up the door, um, the corpse runs out and tackles their boss, 
Um, luckily, Freddy and Frank are able to wrestle him off, but that's when um, Bert comes back with like a, a mining pick, which he strikes the uh, the now zombie in the head. Um, but destroying the brain doesn't seem to be enough. And the second he uh, he drives the spike into the you know the cadaver's brain, it just starts screaming even more. So it's just like this whole horrific scene that starts playing out. Uh, so they decide that like, if just cutting the head off or destroying the brain isn't enough, they got to do something more uh, finite with it, and uh, they decide to take the body to the uh, cemetery where there's a, a crematorium, and you know attempt to burn the body. Um, the mortician on site is uh, Ernie Cardleburner, which uh, that's Don Kalfa. Um, he's the owner of the business and, uh, or at least the yeah, owner and proprietor of the uh, mortuary that's there. So back at the cemetery, uh, suicide kind of breaks the number one rule about being a punk. And that's kind of comparing yourself to other punks. But uh, he does drop like one of the more famous lines from this movie where he goes um, referring to his outfit as uh, trash is rubbing up on him he goes do you think this is a fucking costume this is a way of life yeah he drops that famous line before uh pushing trash off to the side you know kind of the whole yeah like i'm i'm so bad i'm such a tormented soul that yeah not even sex you make me feel better uh cut to frank and bert interrupting an autopsy that uh ernie's performing um ernie takes in some coffee and explains how you like break rigor mortis you know how uh when the body stiffens after it's dead just how he's gotta be a little coarse and you know take care of business with that but uh bert kind of gets uh I, I, he's trying to be sneaky he doesn't want to be out right with it but he asks ernie to burn uh the living corpse down and to keep it a secret uh bert asks ernie to like burn the trash bag that he brought with them um basically saying that like it's it's squirrels or something in the bag but like uh like he he just doesn't want to say what it is and lo and behold that's when the bag kind of tears open and like the body that they cut up of the uh hanged cadaver um reaches out and kind of tears at uh ernie's pant leg and uh further just moves on to attack ernie but you know Bert and Frank wrestle it away and kind of explain the situation there. Um, cut back to outside where uh, it's almost 10 uh, when they're going to be getting off work soon, or Freddy's supposed to be getting off work soon. Um, and everyone's kind of getting anxious since, like, suicide's getting really creepy. And uh, everyone's kind of put off with, like, the mood that's going on there. And that's when Tina walks out of the cemetery and starts making her way to, like, the Unita Medical Supply Company. Um, cut back to Ernie, who's, like, now on board and saying, like, you know, you're, you're going to owe me um, big time, especially because uh, the arm tore his red pants. But, you know, that's, that's going to be uh, neither here nor there in a little bit because as, uh, as they start burning the body, like, it seems to do the trick. I mean, it you know cooks the body down. It's no longer moving, and whatnot. But uh, filmography or however you want to describe it, it shows that like uh, 
through the uh, chimney, the ashes and dust mix into the air, which kind of rises up into the clouds, and like almost immediately a storm begins to break out. Uh, but it doesn't uh, rain down; it like just starts pouring, and uh, it's kind of like a radioactive rain. Um, so you know, Tina, which again it's, it's Freddy's girlfriend, uh, gets inside the medical building looking for Freddy. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the group, you know, trash, suicide, Scuzz, Spider, Chuck, and you know, those who they choose not to name here, um, get into the car. But like they they start pulling the top up, and like uh, as the rain like pours down over the cemetery, it's like acid rain. Um, so they start fighting because the uh, like not only does like the soft top on the convertible like start leaking but the car doesn't seem to want to start up and a weird smoke starts coming out of the uh like out of the crematory uh crematorium chimney so it turns from like a you know a, a gray smoke to like a, a yellow uh letting you know that something spooky is about to happen so cut back inside the uh where the um the crematory i what is that word i can't think of the word just the oven where they, you know, cremate the bodies um, inside that kind of laboratory there. Uh, Ernie checks on the parts of the body that are dead. Everything's burned up. Bert's, like, just so happy. He hugs him and tells him that he owes him big time. Um, but cut back to Frank and Freddy, who, like, they look, like, absolutely horrible at this point. They've been sweating, like, up to this point. But, you know, it could just be, you know, they're adrenaline was kicking or they're just overexcited due to the circumstances but um they're both looking sick they feel weak um like they feel nauseous and they blame it on the gas that knocked them out you know nothing wrong with that right uh not in a zombie movie or nothing uh frank throws up uh he says he wants to see his wife um so bert calls for an ambulance and says that there's two poisoned patients at the uh at their location so from the uh, quote-unquote safety of Suicide's car, um, they start hearing the moans of the zombies longing to dig themselves out and eat brains. So business is uh, starting to come to a head. Um, back in Unita, Tina finds Freddy's like ball cap, um, which is outside of the stairs leading down to the basement. Uh, she makes her way down and stares into the open, um, empty tank where the... Uh, where the first zombie was and where the gas was leaked out and uh, only to discover what they lovingly refer to like in the behind the scenes as the tar man um so just kind of paint a picture here but he uh it's it's probably the first image you'll see short of like the um like the movie poster but it's uh the tar man is just this like zombie whose skin is really like a, a mud color um, doesn't really look like he has any eyelids or lips, just the straight teeth. Um, he's like a, a, like I said, a mud color. Uh, the whole thing is like his skin is so loose that it's like falling off and he just has the overall appearance of just being like saturated in tar and, uh, maybe KY jelly. Cause that seems to be a popular thing for, uh, you know, sci-fi horror movies. So barely avoiding the zombie, uh, she tries to run upstairs, but lo and behold, like any good horror movie, the, uh, Stairs break out. She falls, hides in a uh, storage closet down in the basement. And uh, following Tina's lead, uh, the rest of the group 
who is hiding out in Suicide's car just gives up on a letting the rain beat down on him and just runs inside uh, the Unita Medical Building. And they come inside. They hear Tina screaming, suicide, you know, yells out, Tina! And she's screaming out, hey, you know, down here, help me. Uh, Cut to the zombie doing, like, big brain exercise as he's figured out, like, a chain and winch system to where now he's, like, actively working a crank and, like, a set of chains to actually pull the door open. Uh, uh, The gang rushes downstairs to uh, see the, like, um, the winch still being like cranked and the door tear open uh and like the slowest um like trying to understand what's going on suicide goes what the fuck and he tears the sheet away to see you know what's going on behind the curtain just to have his uh skull crunched open like an apple by the uh tar man and there we go we got our first uh victim here so with suicide there dead on the ground, the rest of the group just runs up the stairs. They avoid the uh, broken stair and uh, leaving Spider just to make sure the door stays shut. So cut to uh, back to the uh, mortuary where the paramedics finally arrive. Um, Freddie and Frank are trembling. Um, they're cold. Their tongues are orange. Like their skin's looking like pale. Um, like Bert doesn't want to phone the army until the next morning, uh, and neither of the paramedics can hear like a heartbeat in the patients. So, yeah, if uh, if you know the old zombie trope, definitely something's wrong here. Cut back to the gang, um, still searching for Freddy, but at this point, zombies have sprouted up from everywhere, realizing uh, well, the storm has like more so become a flood at this point. Uh, so like the cemetery itself, which. Um, they try to run back to the car to start it, if I remember right. But uh, the cemetery, yeah, I cannot talk. The cemetery itself has become more of like a marshland, or like a swamp, because uh, like with how much water is there, uh, caskets have like risen up to the surface. You know, zombies have broken out, and lo and behold, you know, her whole uh, morbid fantasy trash is left behind to be eaten by zombies. Um, so cut back to uh, Freddy and Frank um, still being like uh, checked out by the paramedics. They realize that like theoretically Frank and Freddy are dead, um, even though you know they're still talking to one another. They're trying to like explain as you know calm and coolly as they can that like for all intents and purposes they're they're dead. The uh, the surviving punks arrive to the building of. Uh, of where Frank and Freddy are with the zombies in toes, in tow, that is. Um, the zombies are fast and, like, devise plans of attack against the living. Uh, the paramedics go out to the ambulance, and the zombies attack them. Uh, let's see. So, uh, cut to, like, Bert asking, like, what happened and where were they uh, to, like, the, the new group here. And that's when, like, he discovers that... Uh, that like the new group has in fact seen the corpse at the Unita Medical Building. Um, Tina realizes that Frank, or uh, that Freddie, you know her boyfriend, is like changed and is changing. Um, while Ernie goes out to see like what's taking the paramedics so long to like uh, get help and whatnot, but nobody's there. And uh, that's when the ambulance door busts open, um, and like that's when more zombies are uh, are eating the paramedics uh, inside the ambulance 
so at this point, it's kind of like full, you know, I guess, uh, comic book, again, uh, pedal to the floor because it only gets worse from here. Um, back inside, like, they, they start kind of pulling the Night of the Living Dead and start fortifying the place as best they can. They close all the windows and doors, and they try to contact the police. Um, as, uh, as, again, showing zombies have big brain energy in this movie, um, one of the zombie paramedics, like, get a hold of the dispatcher and calls in uh, more paramedics, to which uh, the dispatcher is like, all right, you know, no big deal. Let's, let's send out more people there. Still not really knowing what's going on. Um, one of the punks get uh, Bert to tell him, like, what they know or what he knows about the army chemical. Um, Ernie checks on Freddy and realizes that, like, his rigor mortis is, like, more advanced, um, <laughs> to which uh, if uh, if I remember right, there used to be an award called the, uh, uh, sorry, it was called the, uh, the Golden Raspberry, which uh, they used to, like, as slang, they called the Razzie Award for, like, the worst actors or uh, kind of over-the-top. Um, but uh, these these poor actors played uh, who play Frank and Freddy, man, I don't know why it works for me, but, like, as the movie progresses and literally rigor mortis sets in, like, they, they portray, like, a sensation of agony that, like, actually gives me chills, like, just thinking about it. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. So another team of paramedics arrive, but uh, they're attacked immediately and killed. So, you know, it's like, hey, help is on the way. And then, nope, gone. Bye. Uh, Bert, Spider, Ernie, Scuzz, uh, they begin to board up the doors and windows of the zombies attack. And uh, Scuzz is grabbed by a zombie and pulled outside just long enough to have his head ripped open and eaten by half a zombie. Uh, Bert. Ernie and Spider hack the half-zombie woman and bring her into the building, which they tie her down to the slab, and, like, the zombie starts talking. Uh, so, you know, if this movie is already uh, hard enough to believe, you know, it's, uh, it, again, just keeps getting worse and worse from here. Uh, the half-zombie lady uh, explains that zombies eat brains because of the pain of being dead. Ooh. You know, another little plot twist there, which it's kind of creative, you know, explains why they, they, you know, need to eat brains so feverishly. Uh, Spider asks, like, how to kill them, but uh, but Ernie and Bert really don't think they can uh, be killed, that is. Uh, uh, so back in the cemetery, it shows, you know, naked trash as a zombie uh, walking around and... Uh, <laughs> just awesome guy so you know it's another random excuse to show little TNA even if it is a zombie punk but you know deep down I think it does something for me I digress a little bit weird uh, the dispatcher sends more cops to the uh, the mortuary um, Tina doesn't allow Frank and Freddy to be imprisoned in a different room uh, so they put them all inside like the mortuary's chapel um uh, by then, uh, cops, like, begin to arrive, but they don't, uh, but shooting the zombies don't help. Uh, there's a helicopter hovering around, but apparently, uh, can't really do anything more than just, like, try to calm everyone down. 
Um, there's a, a zombie that remarks that cops' brains taste like pork. Another zombie uh, asks for more cops, and it just again these they keep setting up these like kill zones where uh, you know they keep setting up these cops to be just completely ambushed and devoured, and further you know making more zombies and just making the situation get bigger and worse. Uh, at this point, again, like I remarked earlier, like these guys deserve Razzies because like both Frank and Freddy are just in huge pain, and they're just screaming and like I said, it, it just it hits on a different level for like a, a comedy horror movie. But uh, like I said, maybe maybe I just have a bad sense of uh, acting, but I, I enjoyed it. Kind of hard to watch, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Tina hugs Freddy, who passes away, uh, but. Uh, when Freddy dies, he turns into a zombie and wants to eat Tina's brain. Um, Tina pushes him away and runs from him. Frank, kind of in a similar matter, uh, runs away, but like Bert um, throws, let's see, Frank runs away at the moment, that is, um, as he you know turns into a zombie. Um, so opposed to attacking people, Frank runs in the other direction. Uh, Bert throws acid into Fred's face, kind of blinding him. Spider gets hysterical. Uh, the strap zombie keeps uh, on asking for brains to eat. So they, uh, they attempt to imprison Freddy in the chapel, but Eddie's, furt, uh, Eddie's foot gets hurt in the process. Uh, Ernie limps to the door and uh, says that the favor that Bert owes him is for Bert to come back with a... Uh, him with a police car and you know hopefully more cops to come save him while uh Bert and Spider charge outside and keep the mob of zombies off him with a baseball bat and a crowbar they make it to the police car but immediately the car gets surrounded by frantic zombies and in a desperate move Bert drives away uh leaving Tina and Ernie behind kind of stranding them unfortunately Tina begins to ban uh, panic thinking that they have been abandoned but Ernie is faithful that they will return for them with help and you know every everything else that they possibly can. They just gotta hold out uh, till then. Uh, Bert and Spider drive away from the mortuary and out of the cemetery, but they find the roads like leading away are blocked by just hundreds and hundreds of zombies. Spider and Bert crash the car against the Unita building and are forced to flee inside. Back at the mortuary, Tina and Ernie go like into an attic and they kick like uh, the ladder down to keep Freddy from uh, like getting inside to them. And the whole time he's crying out for Tina, uh, trying to you know get her sweet spicy brains. Meanwhile, it turns to Frank, who's uh, inside the crematorium, like setting it, uh, like kissing his wedding ring and. Uh, sets like the uh, cremator into uh, what's what's what am I trying to say here uh, turns on the cremator and basically lays down on the table to you know kill himself to get rid of the pain but you know by doing so there's just more ashes put up into the atmosphere so kind of selfishly killing himself but bringing up more <laughs> uh, more fuel to the fire uh, once more they show another scene of yet more zombie cops preparing an ambush and more police like pulling into position and once more just getting attacked and <laughs> just 
again, the situation getting worse and worse with the zombies uh, calling up even more people to come. So uh, cut to Spider and Bert, who are the... Uh, and two other survivors of the, uh, the group, uh, Casey and Tom, go down into the basement where suicide is, and uh, they call the police, uh, whom by this time like have set up barricades. So uh, again, Bert tries to make a call to the police to give them like at least a warning or try to get help. But at that point, like uh, again, the police have set up barricades. Excuse me, if that came through, uh, I just burped. That uh, Mexican Washington apple kind of you know sitting home. So the rest of the podcast is going a little bit smoother than how it started. If you ask me, hey. <laughs> Uh, the captain, again, doesn't understand what's happening, uh, but just as uh, Bert tries to explain over the phone about the zombies, like the police barricade is just rushed by hundreds of zombies, and they're just easily overrun, and they start eating all the cops, uh, while Bert just has to listen on the phone as, like, uh, you know, the rest of uh, whoever he could reach out for help to is dead. As a last resort, Bert calls the phone number that's stenciled on the original zombie container and manages to get a hold of the general out in California. Uh, Bert talks to the general, tells him everything that's happened, uh, to which uh, the general tells his control about the zombie outbreak in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, the general has a plan already, and uh, a suspicious spider inquires about what that plan is exactly. Uh, cut to a remote hilltop somewhere... Uh, somewhere in Kentucky where the uh, again cut to a remote hilltop somewhere in Kentucky where a, a sergeant is uh, manning a long-range super gun with nuclear weapon capabilities uh, happens to line it up on the coordinates of where uh, the Unita medical supply building is as in their whole plan all along was if you know zombies broke out nuke it so as a uh, the you know, the weapon is being fired. It cuts back to Freddy, who's just broken into the attic where Tina and Ernie are hiding. And kaboom. So cut to uh, 5.01 in the morning, Eastern Time. Uh, the nuclear explosion has destroyed the city of Louisville, killing all the zombies and apparently all the population as well. Uh, when the uh, general in California gets the report, seeing that the death toll is less than 4,000. The general calls his boss, whoever he or she is, saying that everything has been taken care of. He thinks that the rain in the area will put out all the fires in town, and he's preparing to visit the president. Uh, or, excuse me, he's preparing the visit of the president to the hit area. Uh, and as he talks, it shows more corpses being woken up by the acid rain. Do, do, do. And with that, I conclude the... Uh, I guess synopsis of Return of the Living Dead. Um, again, the movie's super fun. Like, if you need a cheesy 80s film to, I guess, kind of turn off the higher functioning parts of your brains, uh, it's it's a fun watch. Uh, like I said, a lot of fun characters, a lot of just over-the-top acting. Um, you know, you got your your cheap zombie gore special effects and uh, puppetry and all that good stuff. So uh, for me, this this touches all the bases that I I could ever think of. Like 80s cheese is one of the finest things on this earth that I can ever think of. And with that, that concludes my uh, 
synopsis of Return of the Living Dead. Uh, again, I, I absolutely love this movie, and I, I can only say it's made better by the soundtrack, um, which it's it's very punk influenced. Like it has the Cramps, which is like absolutely one of my favorite bands of all times. Uh, it's also got um, 45 Grave. They do the song Party Time. Um, let's see what else. They have uh, Young Fast Iranians by the Straw Dogs, a.k.a. the F.U.s. Uh, Rocky Orisons, Burn, uh, Burn the Flames. Um, they have uh, Deadbeat Dance by the Damned. So if you can't tell, it's got definitely like a garage punk band kind of feel to the movie which uh again changes kind of the whole tone of it so it definitely has like a more lighter uh i guess interface kind of punk overview of this movie which i guess that was me trying to be uh or at least me or at least what i perceived myself as uh when i was younger so uh yeah so aside from what i think is pretty kick-ass uh soundtrack a little bit of trivia that uh, we'll throw your way is that uh, some of the zombie extras were paid bonus uh, were uh, were paid a little more to eat uh, real calf brains in the film. Um, director Dan O'Bannon didn't want the actors to do anything he wasn't willing to do, and ate some raw brains uh, in front of them uh, to show that he wasn't willing to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. Um, so you know you know talk about commitment. That's uh pretty impressive uh, let's see additionally um uh there the lead pipe that a uh, bert uses in the movie is actually made out of rubber uh he initially used a real pipe but the crew snuck it away and replaced it with the rubber one because uh dan o'bannon was worried that uh bert like the actor was uh frequently angry and would sometime like have violent outbursts so, <laughs> yeah, if you cracked with a, an actual pipe, I don't think you'd be too happy there. Um, additionally, it says that they had to get approval from Lysol to, uh, to have Frank spray away the stench of death with their product. And, quote-unquote, they liked the idea that Lysol would kill any conceivable odor. So Lysol was actually really cool with them using their product uh, in a zombie horror movie, which maybe they kind of left that part of it out. But, you know, that's a little fun fact. Uh, the part of Bert was originally offered to Leslie Nielsen of a naked gun or a, what else is he like known for? I guess naked gun's probably his biggest claim to fame. Um, but he wanted too much money for the role, so they offered it to Robert Weber, who hated the script. Um, then they tried to get Scott Bradley, who was uh, too sick and actually died a year later. And then they finally went with uh, Clue Gallagher right before the first day of filming. So, you know, talk about juggling and uh, wait until the last minute to figure out what's going on. That's that's cutting it really close. And a uh, final thought here is uh, that the, the main ingredient they used for the tar effect on the, uh, the costume of the tar man was uh, methosil, which is a thickening agent used in milkshakes. And uh, also the main ingredient for the blob, uh, which uh, is another 80s horror movie based off of a 50s uh, movie. But uh, yeah, I just think uh, 
yeah, that's that's just kind of a fun thing that the costume is practically edible. That's that's pretty uh, <laughs> disgusting and cool at the same time. All right, so final thoughts. Uh, again, I absolutely love this movie. Um, it's it's a great uh, it's a great eighties horror movie. Uh, very lighthearted, um, despite like the gore and violence and even the full frontal nudity from uh, trash throughout the majority of the movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, compared to some of the other stuff I watched, this is probably the the easiest pill to swallow. So I decided to go with something that you know I enjoy and. Heck, who knows, maybe if you still listen to this, you might be interested in watching it yourself. But uh, I digress. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, I will discuss what film I should do next with Victoria. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of plan out, like, uh, a more set idea of what to do in the near future. I don't want to, you know, bog down my wife's podcast with movies that I enjoy. More so than, you know, something that she'd like to see on her channel for her content and all that stuff. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, make sure you uh, drink responsibly and take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>